Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Just want to read a quick verse that will give us a little bit of a context on why we're doing this today. Proverbs chapter 11, if you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 11, go down to verse 14. The proverb says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I'm reading out of the ESV. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Today, what we're doing, really the three of us having a conversation around relationships, single, dating, or married, uh, I'm just going to say it right from the start. Me and Diana don't claim to have all the answers or to know all the answers. Our prayer today is that this would be a conversation starter and that our responses would help you in probably starting some conversation in your relationships, in your marriages, and as well as connect groups. We have connect groups all throughout the city. Started them a couple of weeks back. We have 80 connect groups all throughout the city. Over 700 people in connect groups. Come on, somebody. And we think that life in community is better. And so today, again, we're going to give the best answers we can. Uh, but those are our thoughts, our opinions. And what we really want to do is more than anything, point people to the Word of God. We don't have the answers, but God's Word does have the answers. And as long as we all keep, yeah, come on, we can give God a big hand for His Word. Can we do that? And as long as we keep all pointing each other back to the Word of God, I think we'll find better answers and better solutions to all of our life discussions. And so we believe in wise counselors around a good godly group. So let's begin. Let's begin this uh, Q&A. And we're taking uh, answers, I mean questions, even throughout the week. We, yeah. we got some um, on social media. Yeah, it's been amazing. Today we've received over hundreds of text messages yeah. and questions. A lot of funny ones, a lot of serious ones. But I really believe that today a lot of people have been set free, that God has restored a lot of relationships and marriages. And before we go further, really we just want to let you know that as a church, we believe that your relational decisions are the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. The reality is that you are a product of the relationships around you. So I really believe that as we go through these questions, I think a lot of us, for a lot of light bulbs, are going to go off and be like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. I think a lot of us are going to find a lot of help. A lot of help. I think today has been amazing. 9-11 have been incredible. Wes has been amazing. 1 p.m. I'm excited for 1 p.m. You guys ready? All right, let's go. All right, so these questions are going to be some fun. We're going to have fun in the beginning, and then we're getting a little serious. Are you guys ready? ready. All right, because you guys have been killing it all day. All right, are here we go. Ready? Here's the first question. You're you guys so ready? Oh, my gosh. Questions coming in like crazy. All right, here we go. Somebody this just asked me for my phone, number. This is not his phone, by the way. This is not his okay. phone number, so yeah. All right, here we go. First question. How do you know if someone is the one? How do you know if someone is the one? If someone is the one. You like this one. Yeah. I think, um, I think as you start a conversation with somebody, if the heavens open up and a dove falls from heaven, that's the one. Obviously. That's how I found out, and that's how Diana found out. Pretty simple. God bless you. I hope you have an incredible... I actually, we've been talking about this all day, and, and even in the car on the way to West and back, all of us were having a conversation. Um, again, this is our opinion, our thoughts, and then we, we're going to have fun this week throughout Connect Groups and talking about this. But I don't believe in the one. 
that God has the one for you. That's my opinion. I don't, I don't think God has somebody specifically for you that he designed. And again, that's just me trying to use logic because if you marry the wrong one, what happens then to the other one that was supposed to marry you? They marry the wrong one. That'll create a whole line of wrong ones for generations and generations to come. Um, my opinion, my thoughts. Uh, if you have a different opinion, let's talk after church, and I would love to hear it. Uh, but, but I don't believe in that. What I do believe is God gives us free will for us to choose the one we want to marry. God gives us free will. I met Diana, and I said, okay, this is the one I want. And then I think God will just make sure he's in the center of it and God will bless it and come between that. Uh, but God has given us all free will. Um, I think there are ways to look for, is this person the one for me? Um, for example, by, scripture is clear. The Bible is clear. Um, for example, there's this verse that says, you shall not be unequally yoked. Right? That right there should start, you know, step one of a relationship. If I meet somebody and we're on two separate pages when it comes to our beliefs, our values, our goals, our visions in life, I'm a believer, they're not. I think right there is a red flag. Hey, this is probably not the one I should choose for my life and for um, a marriage. We're, we're, we're going on two different pages. For example, we don't believe in flirt to convert. Anybody know what it's about? Like, we don't believe you go outside and, hey, I'm going to save this person. There's only one that saves. His name is Jesus. I've seen a whole lot of people trying to date people, get them to come to church and get them to convert to Christianity or whatever. Uh, we're not the saviors of humanity. And they need to have their own relationship with God, and they need to walk that journey out the same way all of us have. And I've, seen, I've actually seen a lot of people trying to do the flirt to convert and end up leaving God's path, leaving God's will for their life. And so if you're unequally yoked, that right there, step one, might give you a red flag that, hey, down the line, five years, ten years down the line, we're probably going to have a lot of differences, so that makes it... Uh, pretty clear. Those are my thoughts. I don't know. I think you, you have great add. thoughts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, what it's not. It's not the. Somebody person. was just calling me. Like, okay. <laughs> guys, this okay. is not his real phone number, by the way. Um, I would say who it's not. It's not the person you need to change in order to fit what you want them right, to be. So, so there might be a side of that person that you that you think, okay, this is the one, but there's this other side that now you need to feel like you need to arrange and just yeah, fix and yeah. help you become this person that I want you to be. Uh, that's not the one. It doesn't mean that you're going to find someone that's perfect, but someone who you just you feel like you need to change, yeah. it's probably not the one. I also think that the um, maybe the season in life that you're in, whatever age group, whatever season of life you, fi life you find yourself, it also has to be someone that can be that same person in the future in the sense right. that you know you're going down the same route, down the same so direction, because it might be someone that you can, it's cool for now, yeah. but is that person someone that's going to fit into your future? Is that someone that, uh, a person that's going to believe what you believe? Is that right. person someone right. that's passionate about the things that you're passionate about, or you're just completely right. on different pages? So I think um, those are just some things to look for, and if it's one of those things, maybe it's not the one. Yeah, I think... Um and I, go, I know the 1 p.m. is pretty mixed. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of older couples as well. And this is the service for all the people that feel young at heart. Um, somebody actually texted and said, um, can you make all the single men stand up? And so... Somebody did text that. Yeah, I think you just... It's okay to be single. It's not okay to be thirsty. Uh, but... But really quick, all the single people, wave your hands just so you look around and see what you're working with. All the single people, wave your hands. There you go. There's a lot here. My sister's here. My sister's single. She's she absolutely did not wave amazing. her hand. <laughs> I didn't see you raise your hand, Priscilla. <laughs> her number is actually 786. No, nah, yeah. I'm going to her number. <laughs> But I think, um, 
Yeah, I think uh, because when you're in that single season, if you're not careful, some things may be a blessing, other things may be a distraction. That's so good. And bro. so make sure you're walking in God's will. Make sure you're following God's word. Um, and that's how you, you'll probably know. Yeah, I also think a lot of us are kind of focused on finding the one instead of being focused on being the one. And I think sometimes before we even get into a relationship, yeah, I, I think sometimes before give, getting, even getting into a relationship, we just need to take some moments and just really evaluate our relationship with God. Like, God, are we okay before I start dating somebody else? Something else that I've noticed a lot is that sometimes people get into relationships, and then like five years later, it's like, why did I get into relationship? Really what I mean is this, is that like, sometimes we'll just get into relationships without consulting God about the relationship. And then when the relationship goes bad, we ask God, God, can you bless this relationship? And God's like, you never asked me to get in that relationship to begin with. So I think sometimes before getting, in the, before getting into any relationship, sometimes we really just got to pray, God, is this the right person that you have for me? Because although there really isn't like the one, I do believe that God is intricately involved in the person that he wants you to spend the rest of your life with. So I think just taking moments to consult the boss is a good idea sometimes, you know? But what about this? Like, what are some practical steps that you would say, like, how do we prepare for the one? Like, should we be looking or should we really be focusing on ourselves and getting ready? Oh, okay, both. You can be getting ready and working on yourself or also looking. Looking doesn't mean you're desperate, right? I think that's the distinction we have to make, right? You can have your eyes open, you know, true. And, and, and also be working on yourself. Are you following God? You know, we're talking about um, one of the best ways to even meet someone is, hey, get involved in church. Serve in church. Get yourself around uh, good people, a connect group. And I think as you do that and as you pursue God and as you allow God to speak into your life, maybe the right person will come around. And, and because you are also aware of who's around you, you might find that right person. I don't think it has right. to be either or. I think yeah. it just can be both. Yeah. I love what Anna said. It can be both. You can be focusing on yourself, working on yourself, but at the same time looking. There's nothing wrong with that. I love how Mike put it as well. Not just finding the one, but being the one. I think first focus on yourself. We, we talked about this two weeks ago. It starts with me, right? Making sure I'm healed, I'm healthy, I'm whole before I get into a relationship. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but at least doing everything we can. At the same time, meeting people and talking to people and having friends and going out for coffee. Uh, for example, I was 23 years old. I was involved in a young adult ministry, and I was extremely involved. Apart from my 9 to 5, any other time I had, I was involved in building church. And I was very close with my youth pastors, and I was in church almost, you know, around the clock. And really had to give myself to God to really serve God as much as possible. But one day, Diana walked in on a Friday night with a mutual friend. And I was a looking. And you were looking. And I was a liking. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I approached her and I talked to her. Because I think you can do both. You know what I think? I think a lot of young men in our generation today need to learn how to be gentlemen. And right. need to learn how to be men that step up to women and say hello and take them out for coffee. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, hello. You know, say something. Um, I think we got a lot of shy guys that, you know. Yes, and, again, I think something that you mentioned in an earlier service, a fatherless generation. Wow. We're seeing more fatherless homes than ever before. So true, and I think we need to mentor and disciple some of these young men and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with asking a girl out for coffee, go and inviting. And when you do, you pay the bill. Don't split the bill. <laughs> I think the beautiful thing about church is that while some of us may have not grown up with certain either father figure sometimes or even a mother figure in our lives so the church gives us that place yeah. where there are so many older people so many people who are further along on the journey that can become those people yeah. to us yeah. i can think of plenty of people in my life that i've met at church that have become like my like my fathers yeah. people that have been in my life important to my life and so i feel like there's room for all of us for some of us to lean um 
onto someone who's a little bit older and can teach us and for older people who just really pour their wisdom onto a younger generation and we can so much learn from each other. I think it's beautiful. That's so good. Popular question right now, trending at the 1 p.m. Uh -huh. Alex, how did you get Diana? Like, what did you say? Like, how, like, how did that work out? Is that a real out? question? That's a real question. Okay. Um, so it was... That I'm asking, true story. nobody else asked. True story, I think I've, sh and I've shared it before. I was, it was a Friday night, I was sitting down, kind of like right there in the front row between uh, Phil, my boy Sherwood, and Louis Grasso. Right, let's say I was in the front row of my church. Diana walked in, we had a side entrance in our young adult ministry. Diana walked in with a, young, with a mutual friend in our young adult ministry. I looked at her and I said, that's the girl I want to marry. I just know. I looked at my best friend. He was sitting next to me. To my, he's still my best friend to this day. And I said, hey, I'm going to marry that girl. I just, and I approached her. And I said, hi. We started talking. We ended up going out and going to just hang out. And she became obsessed with me and stalked me for the rest <laughs> of history. Any, uh, any pickup line or anything that you would want to just give out there to yeah, somebody? Yeah, uh, go, go for a, it. A good one that worked. I approached her and I said, um, excuse me, uh, I've been reading through my Bible. There's a book called Numbers and I don't find yours. This did not happen, guys. And it worked. This did not happen. <laughs> don't say that to anyone. I'm sorry if you've actually said that to someone. I'm I don't just saying. I'm just don't saying. Don't say that to anyone. I'm just saying. You need to be bold and speak and invite. Just and, say hello. You know, say something. Mike, you also met your wife in church. I did. I did. You met Stephanie in church. Yep. What did you say when you approached her? Well. Well, you really want to know what I said? 100%. Okay, well, I was 16. You were 16. I was 16. How old was Steph? Uh, Steph was 15. Okay. She likes older men. <laughs> <laughs> I was 16, and, uh, and I put it in a rap. You rapped to Stephanie. That's right. <laughs> you actually... You guys want to hear it? All right, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go. You remember it. <laughs> Oh, of course. I'll never forget okay. it. That's how I got married. Okay. Here we go. All right, here we go. Hey, little mama was shaking. I take a pig and make bacon. Are you single or are you taken? I hear it promiscuous. Am I mistaken? Let me look in your oven and see what's bacon. God bless you guys. I'll see you guys. Hey, on that note, let's talk about sex. How many years have you guys been together? Oh man, do the math, love. I met you at 16. Well, well, we were we were we we were best friends until we were 20, 21. Steph was distracted. No, no, we were just really good friends until I was met. We were 16, started dating at 20, got married at 25. So it worked. Of course. I'm kidding. I really yeah, guys I learn how to that. rap. Do something. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I do think. Look. You met your wife in church. Right, right. I met my wife in church, yeah. right? We all found it. Phil found his wife in church. John and Andrea, by the way, they got engaged yesterday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I think church is a good place to start looking. Of course, the best and place. And get on Dream Team. Those of you who say, well, I don't, I've, I've been here for a while. I don't see nobody. Uh, I, think, I think, look, we got six services all throughout the day. Hang out long enough, you'll see somebody <laughs> you'll in one of our somebody. services. You come in and out, you're not going to see nobody. But... Yeah. Yeah, like just open up the door all day long if you want, and you'll, you'll see some people come in. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's talk about another question that's been coming in. Let's talk about sex for a little bit. I it. think sometimes sex in a church context can be a little, like, weird. Sometimes people don't talk about sex in church, but I think it's important. God created sex, and I think it's a vital part of, of marriages. <laughs> um, so I want to read to you a question that came in. It reads like this. It says, how do you navigate sex in this world? 
Society says that you have to test the car before you actually buy it. Is that true? Is it not true? Let's talk about premarital sex. That's a great question. We kind of talked about it a couple of Fridays ago. Um, me and Dana were with um, the youth leaders and youth on Friday night and kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think that's a great question. Um, I'll say kind of what I've been saying today when it comes to sex, that we, we, the Bible says we're in this world, but not of this world. If we're not careful, we can live in this culture and let culture define what sex is. We can live in this culture, but we don't have to submit to what the culture says. Let's go back and let's remember the original creator of sex is God himself. God designed it and God created it for us to enjoy it in a marriage context. And the world will want to tell you to hurry up and do it before marriage and test it out with every kind of partner you can find, every kind of relationship you can. And what you have to remember is that you are a body, mind, soul, spirit. There's different parts of you. Sex is not just a physical act. It's also a spiritual and emotional act. And I think if we take sex loosely and we let culture dilute it, and kind of bring down the definition of what sex is will cheapen what God meant to be wow. an incredible experience in marriage. Right. Um, and I'll say this, I've said this earlier too, um, we're not animals. And this world will want to tell us we came from animals, we are animals, so do whatever your body wants you to do. Uh, we are not animals. Just because we're mammals, we're not animals. Animals don't have a soul or a spirit. We're body, mind, soul, and spirit. And so um, just because your body's telling you something just because there's feelings in you in your mind just because there's urges in you does not mean you have to submit to that and do what your body tells you the bible also tells us that we have the holy spirit who gives us a spirit of self-control and so i think we need to submit and yield first to the holy spirit and there's something about discipline and saying no to certain things and waiting for the right time and i think god will bless that and god will honor that sex is amazing in a marriage context i think when we take it outside the marriage context you'll see that in the long run you're actually paying more than what you think yeah, I think uh, we mentioned this at youth, but also throughout the day when we've talked about this topic, and it's that uh, the world would want us to try and believe that it's just it's just sex. Yeah. It's just whatever. It's just what everyone is doing. It's just something so normal. And while it is a normal thing, right, God created it, um, it, it was created to be within the context of marriage, right? And it's easy, even as we talked about, uh, about dating and getting to know people, it's easy to get to know someone and take this next step, yeah. but then things don't work out, and then you go and meet someone else, and you take that next step, and then you break up with that person, and you meet somebody else, and you take that next step. And then by the time that you actually get to marry somebody, you would have taken the step several times, right? Um, it, and you, you begin to lose a little bit of what God intended for you to keep for a reason and for a specific reason. And especially because it's not just a physical thing, but it's a, an emotional thing. And sometimes we, we don't think about the, the depth and the extent of what this really means until later on in life. With that being said, though, I really believe that it's never too late, right, for you to get on track with what God wants for your life. I love that we have a God who's a God of grace, who's a God of new beginnings, a God of second chances. And just because maybe uh, you may have made other choices before, it does not mean that you cannot start to make the right choice today, right? And that as you honor God and honor yourself and honor what God has given you, that he will begin to just show you new things and that uh, you experience it, in a, experience it in a different way. So I just want to encourage you. Um, even if you've made different decisions in the past, why not start today to honor God and honor yourself and love yourself and, and value yourself the way God values you. And I really believe that there will be a lot of blessing in that. Yeah. So, sorry, something I think we mentioned in one of the other services, I don't want to forget. God is not a God who wants to take away fun from our lives. Right. 
And so sometimes we think, well, why doesn't God want me to have premarital sex? It's so much fun. I can do whatever I want. God puts boundaries in our life because he wants to bless us, not because he wants to take away anything from us. And so if God has put boundaries, follow his boundaries, and you see there's more blessings in God's path than in any other path in life. I really believe that. That's so good. Come on, can we give him a big round of applause answering his questions so well? Let's take a moment. Now we're going to transition towards, uh, towards marriage. I heard somebody once say that marriage is the most difficult, but yet the most beautiful thing you will ever be a part of. I think marriage, I mean, we believe that marriage is something that was created by God. So we know that God wants our marriages to, uh, to succeed and do well. So a lot, of great questions, a lot of great questions have come in on the topic, and I really believe that a lot of people are going to find healing and restoration as we answer some of these questions. A lot of questions that have been coming in are concerning conflict resolution. So let's go over this one. How do you handle conflict in marriage? Specifically, I have things that I want to talk about, but every time I do, he or she gets mad. So how do we have those tough conversations? What I did with Diana was, (laughs) imagine I started doing that. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think this can happen often, right? Because some conversations are really tough and they're hard. But, but I really believe some conversations are extremely necessary. Again, I think some of these questions, by the way, whoever asked that, good on you to ask that. And I think that's a good first step is trying to find some kind of help in your marriage, in your relationship. Um, again, I think it's almost impossible to answer in the next few minutes that we have left. Um, but I think if you get around a community, if you get in a connect group, and especially if you go get professional help from counselors and therapists, I think that there is a way to find a solution. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, it requires steps. If you bring up a conversation and this person doesn't want to talk about it and they start to get upset, eventually you're going to have that conversation. Things are going to hit a place where some stuff is going to start to break and fall apart in the marriage if you do not have that. And yeah, I think we've either all been there or know people who say, I don't want to talk about that right now. I kind of said this earlier too. I said, we need to get away from the negative content, context that there is to, hey, we need to talk, right? Like, I think everybody in our world today, in our culture, when you hear, hey, we need to talk, we all kind of already laugh about it. We say, those are the words we don't want to hear. I saw a meme about it a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, we need to talk. And already people get, you know, on edge. And what about if we need to talk, we spin it around and we put a positive thing to it. Like, yeah, we do need to talk and we should talk. I think every married couple should sit down at least once a month and have a very thorough conversation. Where are we? How can I get better? What are, and I think many times we run away from things because we're not ready to hear them or we're very immature. And I think it requires a lot of maturity to hear some stuff we may not want to. But in the long run, it's going to help our marriage. Yeah, and I would also say, are you also not just trying to... Uh, talk to someone about what they, they're doing wrong, but are you someone that's willing to hear uh, perhaps room for improvement in your own life? Because sometimes some people may close themselves off because they feel like, okay, you're only telling me this, but you ne- never allow me to say how I feel. So I think it takes two people who are mature enough to hear things that may not be the greatest things to hear. It may hurt you a little bit, but not take it as a personal attack, but just rather a ground that will make us better. And so even having that discussion beforehand is, hey, I'm, I'm going to say some things, and I'm not saying that this is who you are. Yeah. This is how things are making me feel. This is how I have felt in the past. How can we build from here? Not to tell you you're terrible, you're wrong, this is wrong, but rather to make things better. And if... If it's just not working out, I think getting somebody else involved that can help you navigate through conversations is something that's helpful as well. But I think don't give up hope and 
and be that person that you want to encounter on the other side as well. It's amazing. So let's get practical, right? So like there's a lot of questions still coming in and people really are just asking, okay, so how do I do this? One of the main questions that have been coming in is how do I keep God in the center of my relationship, specifically marriage? So maybe talking to that, because I think at church we say a lot, you know, keep God at the center of your relationship. People are like, yeah, we're like, what does that even mean? So practically, how do you, how do you live that out? Um, I think, first of all, your relationship with God is a personal one. So you need to start by having a personal relationship That's with God so before you can put God anywhere else. Um, so how is your relationship with God? Is there any room for improvement? Are you close to God? Are you pursuing God? Do you have a personal relationship where you actually involve him in your life? Where you go to him for, for advice, for, for, for everything? And is the other person doing the same thing? I feel like when two people are on that same page, then it's easier to find common ground where we can talk about certain things you know it's easier because i'm seeking god you're seeking god so though we may not be ready for certain conversations it's now different for us to 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 know where we're going the goal of our relationships is a relationship is to have a good marriage a healthy marriage so it's easier than for me to say hey let's talk about some things and 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 hear my heart and know that it's coming from a good place but i'll say it starts with you yeah. It starts with you and what, what are you doing with your, with your relationship? Who, who do you have around you? I know we keep talking about community, but it really, really makes a difference. Ha- having people around you that can speak life into them. When you have questions, you don't know what you're doing, you need some advice. It's people that maybe are further along in the journey. I think one of the beautiful things for us has been to have older people in our lives that have been married for 20, 30, 40 years that can tell us some advice and give us some advice that we have not even like think about, thought about yet. Um, so I think it starts with you personally. Where, where are you at? Yeah, I think uh, that was great. You're phenomenal. I think, um, I think keeping God at the center of a marriage cannot be defined or said in just one specific way. I think God gives us an array of different avenues and lanes that we can do it. Uh, for example, I think it starts with personal relationship. Each person in the picture having a personal relationship with God. Number two... Uh, do you spend time praying together, reading scripture together? And again, you don't have to do it every day. I know there's couples that do, there's couples that don't. Uh, but I think keeping God somewhere in that picture where you're like, hey, once a week, we're going to come together and pray together. We're going to hold hands. We're going to pray together. We're going to read scripture together. That would be another avenue. Um, God gives us, again, different having a church life, right? God didn't just invent church and design church for us to come in here, sing some worship songs and be out. Church is not a building. Church is a community. And so I think keeping God at the center means also keeping God's people around your marriage. Um, He would stay in the middle when you're surrounded by God's people around you. I think that's another place, getting a good community, get solid people around you to invest in your marriage, to love on your marriage. And so I think there's different ways that you can do it to keep God in the middle. I would add to that, how can you bring into your marriage who God is? How could you bring kindness into your marriage and long-suffering into your marriage and patience into your marriage? These things that God is, how can you bring bring grace into your marriage and this uh, love into your marriage as well? I think it's how you keep God at the center when you keep who he is. Right. You know, in the middle of conflict, how can I have this long-suffering that sometimes I don't want to have? And how do I keep kindness when I want to tell you off? And how do, I, how do I bring forgiveness when you've done something wrong? I think that also helps us to just kind of see God beautiful. in our marriage. It's so good. So the name of this uh, series, it's, it's complicated. We know that relationships are complicated. Just want to say thank you guys so much for leading us so well through this series. I think a lot of people have been helped because of it. And we've been talking about different topics, single, dating, marriage, 
think there's another topic though that uh, we, we gotta allow some space to really talk about just because a lot of people have been asking about divorce. And before we answer this next question, I want to let you know if you're a Christian in this place, you've gone through a divorce, that doesn't mean that you are, that there's something wrong with you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And no matter what the end result is or no matter what the plan is, we do believe in a God of restoration. And sometimes he restores things in a different way than we expect. But I really believe that a lot of people here are going to find some healing as, uh, as we discuss some of these, uh, some of these topics. So I think we got some time for maybe another two questions, but we'll ask this one. So I'm in the beginning stages of separating from my husband. This series has been hard because it's all about being married, single, or dating, and I feel in a completely different place these days. Any advice navigating through this time? I would say you're in a place that maybe we're not talking about often, um, but you're not alone, and you're not the only person that has gone through this, and there's not like Mike said, there's, it's not that there's something wrong with you. You've just gone through something, and all of us have gone through things in our lives. I, I would just say you're not alone, and there's people here that would love to surround you, and that's just a season of your life. But I really, truly believe that it's not what will define the rest of your life. You know, all of us go through things, and this is just a, a moment in your life that I can imagine it's very difficult, right? But, but don't allow this moment to to feel like it's the one thing that will define the rest of your life because God will restore who you are will restore your life your life is not going to be dictated by I got a divorce yeah it, it happened but it's not what's going to drive the rest of your life that there is still hope for your life and I would just say who do you have around you do you have solid good people helping you go through this process helping you process emotions and thoughts and things that you're feeling right now um and if you don't, get some people around you. Go to our connect group. Find one of us, and we'll try to just point you in the right direction. The last thing that we want you to think is that you're, that you're alone and that, you know, you just, I, which I feel like it's sometimes what happens. I feel like the enemy uses situations like this to make you feel like you're the only one, and there's something wrong with you, and there really isn't anything wrong with you. So I would love to just help you find those people if, if you don't have them already. Um, but this is not the one thing that's gonna define the rest of your life. And I truly believe that you can find healing and that you can find hope and that you can find restoration and that there's still so much more than God can do in your life. So don't stay on this thing, holding on to this as if this will define the rest of your life. Yeah, I think, great answer, great question. Don't let a season of your life become a shackle in your life. Just because you've gone through that season, a season does not last forever and you might have gone through a divorce, you're on the other side of it. There was a lot of pain. Divorce is never easy. Um, I know it's hard, it's difficult, um, but you will get through this and God will bring a brand new day. And I think God can give you a better future than you can imagine. Uh, there's people on our own team that have gone through divorce. They got remarried and now 30 years later, they got a beautiful family. Can I tell you, maybe if a first relationship didn't work out, we have a God that is good, that is faithful. And with him, there's always a hope and a future. And don't, do not let divorce define the rest of your life. I do believe that there's a new beginning for you. And I believe that God can do amazing things that you can't even imagine. Yeah. Do you want to add um, on? I would just say, um, just thinking about it, you know, I, I know you've probably heard me talk about this before, but my parents got divorced, right? And I, um, my dad wasn't really involved in my life after that, but my mom was. And so I look at my mom's life today and I can see the incredible work that God has done in my mom's awesome. life. And I can see what happened as an event in our lives that maybe changed a lot of things for us, but it didn't necessarily change 
who we are. It didn't change the fact that God still loved us and that God still wanted to do something special in our lives. I would say that uh, my mom gained so much wisdom. My mom got so much closer to God. My mom serves on team here at church. And I feel like it's not who she is. It's not even a thing. I see her, but it's not even like, oh, this happened to you. Right. So so there's so much more for your life. And, and believe that. Believe that. Amazing. We got one more question left. I think it'll be a good one to conclude on. It says, I feel betrayed by my spouse and I've lost trust for them. Should I forgive them? Why should I forgive them? And how should I forgive them? Yeah, another great question. Thank you. You know, thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being transparent. I know a lot of you are sending in questions, and we've literally received hundreds of questions all day long. Um, and I know some of us are walking through difficult moments in life. We're going to try to answer the best we can throughout this week the hundreds of questions that we weren't able to get to. If that's you and you're here, first and foremost, I want to say I'm sorry for what you've gone through. I know that's never easy. I know um, that what you must be going through is, is, is painful, is hurtful. Um, you probably got cheated on, lied, betrayed. But I, what I do want to say is God doesn't want you to live in unforgiveness for the rest of your life. I've heard this before. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You holding resentment and unforgiveness is not going to benefit you in any kind of way. If uh, you forgive, let it be because you're forgiving so that you can get better, so that you can get healthy, so that you can get whole. Um, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. God doesn't want you to be bitter. God doesn't want you to be upset. God doesn't want you to be holding on to unforgiveness for the rest of your life. And so I would say choose forgiveness because it's good for your soul, for your own mind, for your own sanity, for your own well-being. Choose forgiveness. Um, so I think you should forgive. How you forgive, it's an everyday choice. Because you might forgive today and the day of tomorrow, you might still get a memory of what this person did for you. But if you choose to stay with this person, you're going to have to choose to forgive that day as well. Wake up in the morning and say, I still remember what this person did to me. I can't believe. But you know what? I chose to forgive him. I'm going to choose to forgive him again today. Choice, many, uh, uh, forgiveness many times, it's choosing over and over and over to forgive while God is doing a work in your heart. And I think if you forgive and you decide to stay in a relationship, uh, you can't hang this over the person's head. Um, you decided to forgive, that's great, and I believe God will bless that. You can't bring it back up and continue to throw this in somebody's face. Yeah, I think we talked about this earlier as well. It makes a difference. <laughs> uh, choosing to, to not just forgive, because you can forgive and, and, and make a different choice, but when the other person truly wants to work things out and it's involved and, and, and feels sorry about what's happened and wants to move on and take all the necessary steps to get to the other side, I think that's what makes things different. You know, when both of you are working together, I think it's a different story when only one person is trying yeah. to fix something. I think that's, that's completely different. Again, sometimes we might give you answers, but every situation is so specific and so intricate and, and so specific to whatever's happened in their life. But I would definitely say that you can never go wrong with forgiving because God already forgave us. And sometimes we just like to put names to, to things people have done. And we are the ones that, that say this is worse than this. You did this. This wasn't as bad as what this person did. And, and we even do that to ourselves, right? We, we think, well, I can't forgive this person because they did this and I've never done something like that. Well, we've done other things. And at the end of the day, it's all the same to God. 
And so if God has had that grace towards us and that forgiveness towards us, I think we should be able to extend it to somebody else. Um, while that still means we are being uh, holding ourselves to, to, to value, right? Also, we're not telling you to just put up with any situation. If this is something that both people are working on, then I think God can definitely uh, make something beautiful out of it. Just because there was pain in your past does not mean your future has to be full of pain. I think your relationship probably went through a moment of pain because somebody made a bad choice, somebody made a bad decision, somebody made a mistake. But can I tell you, I believe in a God that restores. I believe in a God that heals. I believe in a God that makes all things new. And I, I really believe that God is for your marriage more than you can imagine. God is for marriages. He designed marriage. He created marriage because our marriage is a direct representation and a symbolic look at his relationship with us. And so God wants your marriage to succeed. If you're here today, I'm telling you, God is for you. And maybe today you're dealing with a whole lot of unforgiveness. Maybe today you're dealing with a whole lot of pain and hurt. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to heal. Maybe it's not just a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a family relationship. Something that a mom did or a dad did or a family member did. And we're here today and we're sitting down and we're saying things can get complicated. And they, can get, they can get very complex and heavy. But, but the Holy Spirit is here to make all things new. And as you forgive, he can also help you to move forward in faith. And to believe again for your marriage, to believe again for this relationship, to be restored and renew and move forward and be healthy. Well, over time, can we thank Mike today for his help in navigating all these questions that came in? Thank you so much. Let's do something. Let's close our eyes. Let's first stand up. Let's first stand up and close our eyes and bow our head. Bow our head. Bow our head. Bow our head. Bow our head.